In McCann v. Cross, 2022, ARC App 172, the Arkansas Court of Appeals, in reversing and remanding, reasoned that the language contained in a will demonstrated the parties intended to grant a life estate, and the trial court erred in concluding otherwise and in applying res judicata, latches, waiver, and estoppel arguments to bar the appellates from proceeding. Judge Klappenbach reasoned, This appeal concerns the interpretation of the will of Ada Pitcock. Appellants Eva McCann, Lola May Covell, and Irene Mendez are Ada's daughters. Appellees Laura and William Cross are subsequent purchasers of property devised in Ada's will. The Cross has granted a mortgage on the property to Appellee Farm Credit Services of Western Arkansas, or FLCA. In 1994, Ada died, and her last will and testament was admitted to probate. Ada's son, Newton Pitcock, was appointed as executor. The fourth section of her will provides as follows. I give, will, devise, and bequeath to William Pitcock, for his lifetime, the right to live in the house and the following described property to wit, the north half of the north half of the southeast quarter of Section 17, Township 1 South, Range 14 West, containing 40 acres more or less. With remainder to Newton E. Peacock and upon his death, then to Eva McCain, Lola May Covell, and Irene Mendez, to be held by them as their own and absolute property in equal shares and share alike. End of quote. The Court of Appeals reasoned there was an intention to grant a life estate, so it reversed and remanded. Quote, the Circuit Court found that the language in the will, with remainder to Newton E. Peacock and upon his death then to appellants, is unambiguous. Looking at the other provisions of the will and their use of the terms remainder and for his lifetime, the court construed the will to give Newton a remainder, meaning fee simple title, just as it states with the remaining language having no effect. The court found that evidence of Ada's intent could be gathered from the four corners of the will, and if she had wished to create a life estate in Newton, she would have used the same language as she did in other parts of the will, for his lifetime. The circuit court also addressed Appley's affirmative defenses and found that appellant's claim was barred by ratification, collateral estoppel, res judicata, the statute of limitations, estoppel, latches, and waiver. Accordingly, the court denied appellant's petition and granted the Cross's counterclaim. Appellants argue that the circuit court violated these cardinal rules of construction by construing the will in such a way to leave language meaningless. As stated above, the court's order found that the will gave Newton a remainder of the entirety of the estate with the remaining language having no effect. Thus, according to the circuit court, the language, and upon his death, then to Eva McCann, Lola May Covell, and Irene Mendez, to be held by them as their own and absolute property in equal shares and share alike, has no effect. We agree with appellants that the court erred in interpreting the will to leave the preceding phrase meaningless. We agree with appellants that there is no specific wording required to create a life estate, and for his life has the same meaning as and upon his death. While the limitation in paragraph 4, with remainder to Newton E. Pitcock and upon his death, was different than the limitation used in paragraphs 2 and 3, for his lifetime, 
Appellants note that paragraph 4 was the only one creating successive life estates. We agree with appellants that Ada intended to create successive life estates. Pursuant to the intent of the testator, we hold that the will granted Newton a life estate and the remainder fee simple title to appellants. Accordingly, Wallace lacked marketable title at the time of his conveyance to the crosses. End of quote. A second issue was whether the lower court erred in finding affirmative defenses barred the appellant's claim, and the opinion concluded in the affirmative in addressing each. Quote, The circuit court found that appellants ratified Newton's actions by failing to state any objection to his 2007 deed despite full knowledge of it. Ratification refers to the express or implied adoption and confirmation by one person of an act or contract performed or entered into in his behalf by another without authority. When a principal has knowledge of the unauthorized acts of his agent and remains silent when he should speak or accepts the benefit of such acts, he cannot thereafter be heard to deny the agency and will be held to have ratified the unauthorized acts. Appellants argue that ratification does not apply here because there was no agency relationship and appellees concede that the doctrine does not apply. We agree that the circuit court erred in this finding. The circuit court also found that appellants' claims were barred by race judicata and collateral estoppel based on the probate court's order. Race judicata bars relitigation of a claim in a subsequent suit when five factors are present. 1. The first suit resulted in a final judgment on the merits. 2. The first suit was based on proper jurisdiction. 3. The first suit was fully contested in good faith. 4. Both suits involved the same claim or cause of action. And 5. Both suits involved the same parties or their privies. Furthermore, res judicata bars not only the relitigation of claims that were actually litigated in the first suit, but also those that could have been litigated. Collateral estoppel requires four elements before a determination is conclusive in a subsequent proceeding. 1. The issue sought to be precluded must be the same as that involved in the prior litigation. 2. That issue must have been actually litigated. 3. The issue must have been determined by a valid and final judgment. And 4. The determination must have been essential to the judgment. The party against whom collateral estoppel is asserted must have been a party to the earlier action and must have had a full and fair opportunity to litigate the issue in that first proceeding. We agree with appellants that multiple elements of these doctrines have not been satisfied. The interpretation of the fourth paragraph of Ada's will was not fully contested or actually litigated in the probate case. End of quote. As to the statute of limitations, there was no bar. Quote, because we hold that appellants were the remaindermen following Newton's life estate, we agree that their cause of action did not accrue until Newton's death in 2016. Accordingly, the statute of limitations had not yet expired when they brought suit. End of quote. The opinion cited Art Code and Section 1861-101-A1 that no person or his or her heirs shall have, sue, or maintain any action or suit, either in law or equity, 
for any lands, tenements, or hereditaments after seven years once his or her right to commence, have, or maintain the suit shall have come, fallen, or accrued. Latches applies when there is unreasonable delay and a change in position, but it was no bar. Quote, As stated above, appellant's cause of action did not accrue until Newton's death. Thus, despite having knowledge of Newton's deed since 2007, appellant's failure to act during this time does not constitute unreasonable delay. Accordingly, we hold that the circuit court's latches finding was error. The elements of equitable estoppel are, one, the party to be estopped must know the facts, two, the party must intend that its conduct shall be acted on or must so act that the party asserting estoppel had a right to believe the other party so intended, three, the party asserting estoppel must be ignorant of the facts, and four, the party asserting estoppel must rely on the other party's conduct to his detriment. Appellants provided testimony that they had consulted an attorney regarding Newton's deed to Wallace, but they did not take legal action at that time because they understood that Newton had only a life estate and they had no rights to the property until his death. In light of this evidence, we do not think that appellants, with full knowledge of the facts, acted with design or willful disregard of others. Waiver is the voluntary abandonment or surrender by a capable person of a right known to him to exist, with the intent that he shall forever be deprived of its benefits, and it may occur when one, with full knowledge of the material facts, does something that is inconsistent with the right or his intention to rely upon it. Appellants argue that there was no evidence that they did anything to intentionally abandon their interest because they consulted an attorney and acted in conformity with their belief that Newton had a life estate, and they had no right to seek possession until Newton's death. We agree with appellants that they did not voluntarily abandon their rights. Thus, the finding of waiver was an error. End of quote. End of decision.